Welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, James Edwards is in the building. It's the doldrums of summer. It's August 9th in the United States right now. And, you know, we need some stuff to talk about. And the most requested team that the listeners of this show have wanted to talk about, and I swear this is true, it is the Detroit Pistons, the team that James Edwards covers over in Michigan. James, what's going on, buddy? Not that much, brother. Good to see you. What is where where did this excitement? I don't even know if it's excitement. Like where did this come from? Did people just enjoy a SAR at Summer League or do you just have a lot of Pistons, Pistons fans, you think? I, I think it's probably a combo of having some Pistons fans because I have you on the show pretty regularly. Yeah. I think that it's probably a bit of excitement over what Kate Cunningham did uh, with Team USA. Yep. And I think that generally this is an exciting basketball team worth talking about. What we're going to talk about is we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, Cade Cunningham and Team USA and at the actual Team USA, not just the select team. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk uh, certainly about the Detroit Pistons. We'll probably start there a little bit more than anything else. Uh, and then, I don't know, we'll probably take questions. I want to talk a little bit about this Matt and Ryan Buley thing at the end. Like, I don't know if, you know, James really even knows I don't, anything I'm, other than the Buleys, but like, yeah. I'm fascinated by it in a number of ways, including their eligibility. But more than anything, uh, I'm excited to talk about things with James. Uh, how, is, how has the offseason been since Summer League, James? It's been good, man. Yeah, Summer League was kind of after Summer League, uh, which it was great to see you out there. Uh, post-Summer League, I finally got to like relax a little bit. It was obviously the first half of the summer was kind of had to stay on alert because they were doing the coaching search and the coaching search went into the combine. Um, I think they hired Monty right like a week and a half before the draft. Uh, So you go to draft and then, you know, the quick turnaround from draft to summer league. Uh, So very chaotic first half of the season or summer. And then since summer league, I was able to chill out. I went to San Francisco for, for a weekend and hung out. Um, It's certainly, it's been chill and I got some more vacation coming up. So uh it's it's been much needed but i'm also kind of like starting to get excited for basketball again too a little earlier than usual which is weird yeah i'm starting to get excited for basketball as well i think that some of these like euro trips and foreign trips that colleges are going on have my gears turning a little bit Mm -hmm. i'm pretty excited about that like it's been nice. I mean, look, like I've taken some time to myself. Finally, it's been good to get out of bed instead of at six o'clock. I can roll out at eight o'clock. That's <laughs> typically a really nice, uh, nice strategy. But, yeah. you know, look, if Steph Curry can get on screen on stage with Paramore and go sing like I can I can take some time, I think. Steph's had a wild summer, not like wild, but like he's had a pretty active summer between the Paramore thing uh obviously golf you see you see stuff here and there and then yeah. even his workout his workouts too like they've been posting more Steph workouts you see him and Luca in the lab together shout out to Steph I think Warriors sneaky I don't are they can you consider him sneaky and like I don't know I think the Warriors are going to do some damage this year I think that we might get one more Warriors yeah. run I think we're getting another Warriors run and I think we're getting it like with or without Chris Paul uh I don't know what they're going to do with that Chris Paul contract yet. Uh, yeah. Maybe they keep him. Maybe they like the idea of him running the second unit, or maybe they use it in the same way that they use D'Angelo Russell's like 
free agency sign and trade where they use it as like a placeholder max contract and then move mm-hmm. them at the deadline. I'm fascinated. They have more flexibility between the Chris Paul deal and some of their prospects than yep. they've ever had. Uh, yep. in my opinion, uh, cause I, I think that they can now make a case for moving some of those guys, but I, I think we see it too. I think it comes before camp is my, I'm going to, that's going to be my, I don't know if it's Ooh, that's, day, that's, that's going to be my take at least. Yep. I think it's going to be, I think Kaminga, at least Kaminga and CP are gone before camp. And I have no knowledge. I cover the Pistons. If people are listening, this is, please don't aggregate this. This is just me being a fan. Yeah, no, this is not. We're we're just guessing here. We have no yeah, idea. I'm yeah. fascinated. I don't. They have the assets to do some stuff, and it's going to yep. be really interesting to see what they do. Okay, now let's get to the meat and potatoes of this thing, which is, I want to start with Cade Cunningham because I think Cade Cunningham is the thing that people are most excited about. Cade Cunningham went and played for the USA Select team, and in the first set of scrimmages, dominated. Uh, unequivocally dominated in the ways that you expect Cade Cunningham to dominate. If you go and you watch the tape, it's like, okay, he's just getting to his spots methodically because he is smarter and bigger and stronger than everybody that you will see at the guard position, save for like Luca, essentially. Uh, it, It was the exact kind of thing that I think Pistons fans were really excited about going into last season. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately Cade gets hurt. So I want to start here. Yeah. Before Cade got hurt, he started poorly over the course of like the first five games. Mm -hmm. And I think not enough people recognize just how good he was over like, you know, the back. Like the last seven. Yeah. Yeah. Of his, you know, unfortunately shortened season. Yep. Explain to me what you saw from Cade Cunningham last season that was so exciting because when I watched him, I was like, Oh no, this is real. Like this is immediately real. And I think people have just completely forgotten about those last like seven or so games where he was just like a total stud. Yeah. It's, and I understand it. Right. And and I, I try to tell Pistons fans this all the time is like, we all watch Cade. We all know what he's capable of. Obviously nationally, the Pistons don't get the attention out of sight, out of mind for Cade. People will just kind of, I don't want to say dismiss, but it's like, yeah, like I said, out of sight, out of mind. I, I, and they and they maybe knock him down on a few things. Oh, he's, he's injury prone. I, I don't think that's the case, right? That he just he has he hasn't been there to show on a national stage. To get to your question, the biggest difference that I remember is the first five games he was trying to get to the rim, and he was challenging the Mitchell Robinsons of the world. He was challenging. Um, I'm trying to think who they played early in the year. I don't know. The uh, Porzingis is the, the big seven foot rim protectors. And he was really struggling. He, he would go into a crowd. He would try to finish over him and it was not working. Then you saw like at game six, he started getting to the, he started settling. I don't want to say settle. He started to alter his approach and his attack. And he, went to the mid-range. He didn't always go all the way to the hole. And if you go and look at the numbers, during that last seven games he played, against small sample size, but I remember I wrote a story. I think he led the league. If he wasn't number one, he was like number two or three in uh, mid-range jumper efficiency. Um, yeah. and, th- and that was the biggest thing. If you go back and watch that tape, 
you watch the first five games, you're like, why is K challenging this guy at the rim? Why is he challenging this guy at the rim? And then it clicked for him. And like, I think that's one of my favorite things about Kate as a player is the self-awareness. Um, he's not going to jump over a lot of guys. He's not going to beat, beat a lot of big men around the rim. Mm-hmm. So what he does is he gets to his spots in the mid-range where he's, his jump shot is translated immensely um, from college. And he was able to look in the mirror and realize, like, I'm not finishing well at the rim. I'm a great mid-range shooter. You can shoot the mid-range if you shoot the percentage that I shoot. And he knocked him down. And that was the biggest change for me, just the, the change in shot selection, the change in finding his spots on the floor and using his size. Um, and, and at that time, he didn't even have the, the frame that he has now, but just using his size to shoot over guys, it was, it was night and day, uh, just the approach. And it, and it really worked for him. Well, I think the thing that I want to, uh, you know, note here is obviously the addition of Monty Williams, right? Yeah. Going to get Monty, I think not enough people are making, I think people aren't making enough of the idea of how, how stylistically similar at times Cade Cunningham and Devin Booker can actually look. Yep. Uh, Devin has this reputation as being, you know, one of the best shooters in the NBA. He's this, he's that. And last season really was the first one where it was like three levels. He was showcasing that consistently all the time. Mm-hmm. You look back through like his first few years, Devin Booker was a good shooter. Like there's a reason that for his career, he is a 35% three-point shooter. Uh, You look at his fourth season in the league, he shot 32% from three. Fifth season, 35%. Sixth season, 34%. Over the last two years, he's been at like 37% from three, taking a ton of them and taking a lot of tough ones, obviously. But I think that the key that people just don't recognize is that Devin is a guy that really likes to operate in that mid-range area, really yeah. likes to operate in similar ways to how Cade likes to operate. And I think that what we're going to see is a lot of very similar sets to what the Suns ran for Devin to get him free. And I think it's really going to loosen up for Cade and really make things a lot easier for him to operate at a high level. You know, obviously they're going to have the Jalen Duran idea and we'll talk about him momentarily just mm-hmm. in terms of being that DeAndre Ayton style rim runner. And frankly, yep. like he's a more willing, consistent rim runner yep. as opposed to short roller than mm-hmm. what DeAndre is, which I think is a little bit more valuable for this Pistons construction. Uh, they have Boyan Bogdanovich, who's going to play in that like, you know, Cam Johnson slash Mikhail Bridges role as a shooter, floor spacer, who can also like create in secondary ball screen opportunities. The big thing is just figuring out what they're going to do at guard, right? With Jaden Ivey and with Asar Thompson and everything like that. They're going to have to figure out that second guard position. But there is there are a lot of similarities, I think, stylistically in terms of the build of this Pistons team centralized around Cade in a similar way to how the Phoenix Suns were built centralized around Devin Booker uh, with all of the pieces around him working to make Devin the best player that he could be. I think that all of the Pistons pieces around Cade work together in synergy with Monty to make Cade the best player that he can be. Couldn't agree more. Um, I asked Monty at his introductory press conference, what did he see in terms of similarities between the two teams? And, And when I say that, I meant like the Suns when he took over, aside from obviously people can make the correlation. Detroit fans are hoping this is the case. Uh, Monty took over. They went from 19 to 35 wins, which is a, a massive leap. 
Um, so yeah, Pistons fans are obviously hoping the similar leap comes. And I, if you look at the roster of Detroit, assuming everybody's healthy, it's not a 17 win team. They're not, I'm not saying they're a 30, they were a 30 win team last year if they got relatively good health, but they're not a 17 win team, right? So the jump doesn't look as the jump. If they make the jump, it's going to look a lot more drastic than it probably actually is. But even stylistically, like you said, that to me was the correlation immediately because aside from just Devin, CP3 shooting a lot of middies. That's what we know him for. KD shooting a lot of middies. They shot a lot of mid-range jumpers as a team. And obviously people talk about the analytics. Well, you talk to anybody in the NBA, they don't frown against the mid-range when you can hit it. And they have yeah. three of the best mid-range shooters of the last 10 years, 20, 15 years on their roster. And Cade, small sample size. But based on what he showed in flashes last year and even as a rookie, like he's he's going to be in that territory of an elite mid-range shooter and yes. i think and i think like you said there are going to be sets run to set him up i think that's going to help Jaden too because he'll be able to they'll find ways to get the ball in his hand um and obviously instead of like, like grabbing and going like there's going to be situations where he's going to set up half-court offense to get k those opportunities too so i love that point that you make um, it was something that I, I initially like thought of as soon as the money hiring happened because they were a high a high volume mid range team and uh, I believe a high efficient uh, mid range team and Detroit especially Cade um, is that's going to be something that I think they really try to utilize because he's so comfortable with it and um, it's going to open up so much more and I think yeah. uh, like you said they're, they're going to have to figure out some stuff. Um, do they start Isaiah Stewart at the four, Bojan, Jaden? Do they go Bojan at the four and give up some maybe rebounding and, and defense yeah. and go Osar? I think they end up starting with Stu because I, I think they do believe in the shot. So offensively, maybe put him in the corner. Um, yes. I believe in the shot. We've talked about it. You believe in the shot. You wrote it in your draft. To an extent. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm not saying he's like a 38% yeah. three-point shooter, but I think – I think there's a world he gets to 34, 35. Honestly, like he, he might be a 38% three point shooter yeah. uh, on like, you know, four shots a game or something. It's right. just whether or not he gets guarded out there. Exactly. Right. Like that's the big question. Like right. our team's always just going to collapse on Cade at the expense of leaving Isaiah open, or can he get to a level where he's like comfortable taking them at volume mm-hmm. to where teams are like, Oh shit. Like we actually have to get out on him. Yep. That that's where the difference is going to be. I don't know if I see that necessarily, but I think he'll make them when he's open. Like I I think like, I feel pretty good about that. I agree with you. I think they probably do start with Isaiah at the end of the day. And I think that's probably a pretty smart move. Mm -hmm. If only because a big piece of being able to operate in the mid range is the Phoenix suns under, you know, Monty Williams and Devin Booker showed Mm -hmm. you do need great shooters and you need spacing around those guys. So that when players pull up from the mid range, they're not getting like double contested. They're not getting like, you know, the primary contest from the front. And then also, you know, the defender is snaking around the screen defensively trying to get around, goes over the top and contests rear view window while also getting that uh, front contest. Right. So I think that the spacing is the big thing for them. And I've talked at length about how I'm like pretty worried about this overall roster construction from a spacing perspective. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm worried about Jalen not being able to shoot. I'm worried about Jaden not being able to shoot. And I'm worried about Asar not being able to shoot. And those being three of the four guys that realistically are your most important pieces to build around. Yep. Uh, they really, 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 really need Jaden Ivy to be able to shoot. Yes. hundred uh, percent. And I, I think he, again, 
I think Cade will help him get easier shots. <clears throat> yes. Excuse me. And he did shoot 37% from, I think, February to the end of the season. So just the development there is a good sign. But I agree it needs to be consistent. Um, it, it needs to not be as forced. And I think it won't be as forced once Cade comes back and he's off ball a little bit more. Uh, but I agree with you. Those things do need to happen for it to really click. Yeah, and the other piece of it, obviously, they draft Marcus Sasser. Marcus Sasser is an awesome floor spacer. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of wondering, like, I know they went out and got Monte Morris. Monte Morris, awesome floor spacer. Not a volume three-point shooter, but somebody that is very comfortable shooting. I kind of think that both of those guys end up playing, like, maybe not both of them, at least one of them ends up playing a bigger role than what people think. This year, it'll probably be Monte, and then next year, it'll probably move into being um Marcus Marcus at the end of the day but yeah I'm truly fascinated by how this goes (laughs) and where it goes because it's a truly interesting roster like I think there's a world where they could start Monte Morris and go like Monte Cade like Boyan Stewart and Duran and then you bring Jaden and Asar and Marcus off the bench and then that's like kind of your two through or your one through three. And then you hope Marcus can shoot. Well, they still have Burks too. So like right. what do you do with Burks? You have that Burks play obviously as well. So maybe Marcus is out of the rotation. But like I think that there are a lot of different ways they can make it work. The thing that I'm most interested in though is how they make it work around Cade. And that's why I wonder if Monte is the one that makes a little bit more sense because of Monte's ability to shoot from distance with Boyan, with whatever you can get maybe from Isaiah. It's interesting. I think they have a lot of options, I I guess, in the backcourt that could work. I do too. And and I'm very curious to see how they they make room for it, right? Because I'm with you. I'm a big Marcus Sasser fan, have been. But you kind of look and it's K. Jaden playing. Monty Burks, assuming Burks is still on the team, I've gotten every indication he will be playing. Um, so that's four guys. Do they run three guards in the second unit? But then it's like, okay, if Asar is not starting, he's, he can't play the four. They really like Isaiah Livers, who could play the four. Um, and then obviously one of Bagley or or a men or Bagley or uh, Wiseman will play the backup five. So I know some fans here have talked about like they're worried about the overlap. Well, I'm like, I think it's a good thing to have if yeah. Joe Harris is on ice until like December, right? Like we haven't even mentioned Joe right. Harris or Marcus Sasser is on ice, or even if you need a Killian Hayes in a, in a pinch, right? Like it's not bad to have that in a pinch. So I like the options. Um, I think figuring out the lineups is good. I think they have spacing. It's just figuring out the lineups to make it work is going to be yeah. fascinating for sure. Yeah. And look like it's weird to have a lineup where I feel like all four, 15 guys like realistically might play yeah like they're all in the same bunch either like the vets are yeah important or the young guys are still like same age bring different skill sets like you can make a case for all of them yeah like it's gonna bring like real competition to training camp like this this Mm -hmm. is them in the thunder to me are the teams where like oh, like you actually really have to pay attention to training camp here. I mean, there are other teams, obviously, but these are the two where I'm like, oh, this is going to be like a real competition. Like guys could get traded after camp. I I would expect that it happens. Yes, exactly. Because look, a piece of this is like, I really like the way that, like I would expect one of Joe Harris or Alec Burks probably to get moved by 
January or mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, I would expect, you know, probably Monte Morris is going to get moved. Although like it's hard because Monte is a dude that has been there, uh, you know, probably has wanted to play for the Pistons for a long time yep. as a guy that grew up in, he grew up in Flint, right? Shout out to Flint. Yep. Yeah. So like he's a, he's a dude that like probably really wants to be there mm-hmm. on some level. I, uh, I don't know. I'm fascinated by the way the construct works, but it all works around Cade and it, making him work is the best piece here. You go back and by the way, like, and we're going to talk about more than Cade here momentarily, but I do just want to note, you go back to Devin Booker's third year in Phoenix. They won 21 games. The fourth year, they won 19 games. The fifth year, 34 games. That's when it started to turn. And that was Monty's it, first year. Yep. And that's Monty's first year. It might take a year. Like it, it really might to make this mm-hmm. all make sense and for it to work, but I wouldn't be all that discouraged. I think if it does, let's finish on Cade now and talk about what happened with team USA. Yeah. I, it was just everything that you wanted to see as a Pistons fan. I would imagine like truly Ser- seriously. Um, and I tagged you in a tweet and there's, there's a, it's, it's, it's multi-layered for me. Right. Aside from – I've been showing p- people pictures because Cade's kind of – he hasn't done many interviews since he's been out, but he's been around, and I've been showing people, like, photos of how much he's muscle he's put on. So, for yeah. I think for people to see how that looks, something they've been wondering, check, right? It looked good. Um, secondly, there's the – I think he just got cleared like a month, month and a half ago, and he looks great shape, right? So that's encouraging. Yeah. Um, then there's the fact that – he had an invitation to go to the U.S. team. Yeah, and I think Pistons fans will love this. and It's something that I don't think locally has been talked about enough. Turning it down to make sure he is ready for the Pistons. And yeah. if you talking to Cade, he is very much like takes being the number one pick seriously and all that comes yeah. with that. Yep. And that is something he really – really like he wants to turn the franchise around he wants like he wants that so like for pistons fans like he has a chance to be like he could have took the u.s invite and been told the world i'm back like you forgot about me but like he'd rather stay out of the limelight to make sure he's prepared for the pistons and then yep and then lastly the thing i tagged you in i try to reiterate it to to fans um obviously it's hard when he's not playing or the three ball hasn't fallen like people thought and the team's losing but this guy has legitimate star potential. And if we're being honest, of everybody that's at on the select team and on the big boy team, and you can agree or disagree with me, we didn't have that dialogue on Twitter, He's the he was the most, going into his respective draft, right? Like, would you say he was the most heralded of everybody that is there yes. currently? Right. Yes. And so for him to, quote-unquote, dominate – the way he did or control the pace or whatever you want to call it, stand out. That is the uh, the amazing sign for his stardom, right? That's exactly like people yes. might be surprised because they haven't paid attention. But if you've watched Cade, you're not surprised. I'm not surprised that he was the second best player in Vegas the last two weeks, right? So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, honestly. Like he is the guy that was always, he was always the one seen as the all NBA player, uh, truly. Like he he is the guy. Yep. In a draft that has Evan Mobley, 
you know, Franz Wagner, Scotty Barnes, all those guys, I'm still riding with Cade. Like I, yep. I still, that's the guy for me. Like he's, yep. he's the one that is, he's the dude to me. And look, you could take the Pistons like decision to focus on the Pistons season one of two ways. And I would get it if you thought about it this way at first, right? Mm-hmm. Like, look, he's entering an extension eligible season, like off season next season. Right. Yeah. Uh, so his third year, the third year is the most important for guys on rookie scale deals. Truly. Yeah. Uh, and if Cade wants to get a max deal, he's go out and average, you know, 25, six and six. Mm-hmm. And I think he can do more than that, frankly, this year. But like, if he goes out and averages 25, six and six, he's getting a max contract mm-hmm. from the Detroit Pistons, like unequivocally. Yep. Yep. So you could take it that way. And honestly, if you did, I'm sure. I'm sure there was some sort of dialogue there yep. with him no, and his representation point. and yep. everything like that. But you're a hundred percent right. Like Kate is a very serious individual in terms of like basketball, taking all of this in the way that you want to take it. Like mm-hmm. you, you, he wants to be great. Like he doesn't want to just be good. Like, you know, Anthony Edwards, like coming into the draft was like, yeah, like, you know, I kind of like football, like people, you know, remember that story that came out, I think literally on draft day or the day before draft day or wherever, where he was like, yeah, like I kind of like football more than basketball. And I love how much his mentality has changed actually since then. Like, I feel like no, like I feel like very few guys love basketball now more than him, but yes, you are correct. And it speaks to the fact that we're dealing with an imperfect deck of information pre-draft where we're dealing with teenagers that are not fully formed individuals. Right. Right. And the Intel that you get pre-draft is not going to be the same as the Intel that you get when someone is 22 years old. Right. Yep. So I say all of this to say Cade has always been very steady with all of this. Mm -hmm. It's similar with the Thompsons. Like Cade is very similarly minded to them in terms of the way that he thinks about the game, thinks about basketball, cares about basketball, wants to be great. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised that any of this is happening. I'm not surprised that he came back from his injury in unbelievable shape. I'm not surprised that he, you know, he may have like felt a little bit sorry for himself early on, but then just immediately snapped back in and was like, I'm going, I'm going to be the dude still. Mm-hmm. I- I've seen, I've seen nothing that worries me about Cade yet he just got hurt and I think we're going to be fine um and I think we both st- believe in the shot like I just I, the kid's not yeah. going to shoot 31 percent from three forever no no he's going to shoot fine from three he yeah. might operate a little bit more in the mid-range and he might be more of like a 35 36 34 yeah. percent from three guy just because he takes a lot of tough ones similarly similarly to Luca similarly to Devin Booker mm-hmm. but he's going to have the kind of gravity where guys guard him Yes. At the end of the day, because yep. he you have to guard him. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about some of the other guys in the Pistons. Okay, James, I'm just going to ask you this question. Basically, right. and it's going to be broad and you can take it whatever direction you want. Mm-hmm. What Pistons player are you most intrigued to see this year among like their group of like core players? Like what player are you most looking forward 
to evaluating, understanding a little bit more about their game, seeing where they settle? Because I think there are a lot of different answers for which you could take this. When you say core, do you mean like non, uh, like role players, like non Cade, potentially more than role players, like Cade, Jaden, and Duran, or like are they included? Cade, Jaden, Duran, Asar. I think you okay. could include Stewart now that he has his extension done. Like yeah, you, yeah. You could, okay. There, any any way you want to go with it. I mean, for me, Cade's the obvious one because the whole thing revolves yeah. around him. But I don't want to go there. There's two for me, and they're both in the front court. Um, because I think both sneakily can change the trajectory sooner rather than later. Yep. I'll, I'll start with Duran, who also I've heard has more than held his own out there in Vegas and, yep. and, is, and has been impressive. Yep. For me, the kid has, I don't want to say kid, the young man has, all of the he's one where you can say kid. <laughs> yeah. I think he yeah, no, is I, 20 now, 19, still might be 19. He's 20, uh, I think. No? I think, yeah, I think, or he's just about, he, he might have just turned 20 or he's about to turn 20. Um, yeah. I think, like oh, you he's said, 19. He's 19, yeah, he's 19. So. yeah, I think he turns 20 in November or something like that. Yeah. Um, offensively, he knows his role right now and he does it well. Like you said, he, he, he truly puts pressure on the rim in the pick and roll. Um, underrated passer you i mean you know how uh, underrated of a passer is like the way he i think he's a smart kid i think he has more yeah. he hasn't shown like in spurts it's been too small of samples but like if you have to watch every second of every game like i do it's like oh okay oh okay Th- that, that's how i've always felt about his passing like you'll yeah. see these little flashes but it's not consistent enough to where i'm like oh he can really pass like yeah, i'm like oh like there's a world where he might really pass at some point but yep. there are flashes for sure for sure for me, his ceiling is all on the defensive end. Yeah. He has every physical tool. He is a smart kid to be like not just a good defender, an elite rim protector. He has every tool to do it. And yes. I think in his first year, you saw flashes of what it could be. But I think the biggest thing is still just getting adjusted. I think for me, the, the, just the reaction time was just a little too slow still. Um, just just processing everything. Like I, I He's a smart kid. He, he, he plays smart. It's just something you got to get used to. And I think once that clicks, if that clicks, like we're like they're in very, very good shape. I just defensively, he has all the tools to be great. He can guard in space. He has good footwork. Um, he can he can jump. He, he, he can see help coverages like he has it. He just got to do it consistently. And then Isaiah Stewart's the other one. And I say that I know. Pistons fans think I have like an Isaiah Stewart tattoo, but I generally just to me to see where he was when he started to where he is now. And I'm not saying like he's turned into this all world player, but you've seen noticeable improvements in his game every single year, even if it's minuscule. And like last year, you saw the three ball on decent volume for the first time in his life. Mm-hmm. You saw him get run off the three point line and make some nice reads, go finish and do a nice dunk. Um, yep. we've, we've talked about it at na- ad nauseum him showing, and it was a thing at Washington because they played so much zone. There was question if he could guard in space, he guards pretty well in space. Like I don't, Oh, uh, I, I remember asking him about guarding man to man. He gets yeah. mad. Like he gets he mad. Gets, he's like, he Oh yeah, we'll pissed. see. Like, yeah. he's like, I've played man to man defense my entire life up until I played at Washington. 
yeah. I can guard and I can guard in space. I can guard man to man. Like he gets mad about it. It's he the best. It's and so I love awesome. it. <laughs> yeah. It's so awesome, man. And I just think that off, I believe in the shot as like a guy who could easily knock down 35% from three regularly on like four or five attempts a game. Um, I just think if he's able to play with Duran and the spacing works and he's yeah. able to knock down that it, because of what he brings defensively and what him and Duran could bring together defensively, if his shot translates like I think it can, I just think that really changes the trajectory of things because I'm not concerned about Kate. Like I think Kate's going to be fine. I'm not honestly, yeah. Jaden, Jaden, like surpassed my expectations last year. Like I'm not really worried about Jaden. Yeah. And I'm not worried about Boyan. I'm not worried about Asar. Like those guys are going to be fine. Whether Asar is going to obviously, there's a ceiling he can get to if he can shoot. Yeah. But even if that doesn't come for a little bit, this is a guy that's going to contribute to winning basketball at some point in his career. So to me, it's like if Duran and Stewart, Duran on defense and Stewart on offense, if those things click, that changes. That could change the trajectory for the Pistons sooner rather than later, in my opinion. Yeah, and it, for people that you know, may not remember the early Phoenix Suns under Monty Williams, like it was pretty immediate in terms of the difference for DeAndre Ayton defensively as well, Mm -hmm. especially by the second season under Monty Williams, he got DeAndre pretty engaged defensively. Now, you know, according to reports, I I don't have (laughs) firsthand information of this, that relationship may have changed in some fundamental way, but there is real reason to believe that, Monty Williams will do really good work with Jalen Duran because you're hundred percent right. He has every tool, every, you know, bit of length, wingspan, athleticism, power, physicality, willingness to be physical uh, instincts is a defensive rebounder. Like he has everything that you look for. He just isn't instinctually aware enough right now. Like he mm-hmm. is not, he, he doesn't really have a great idea of how to garden ball screens yet particularly yep. is the thing that drives me nuts. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was a pretty negative defender last year. It's why I ended up with him second team all NBA. And like, he was like, you know, I think my ninth or 10th best rookie last year, basically. And that's, that's because, fair. Yeah. Like I thought that the defense was quite poor, but he's got every tool to be great. Like he can be a top 10 center in the league. He is like low end all-star upside. I think like it could mm-hmm. really end up there if it goes right for him. Uh, It just he needs to really focus on that end more than the offensive end, because all these dudes, Jaden, Asar, Cade, they'll find him. He can get four points in transition alone every game. He can get four points on the offensive glass every game, and then he can get six points, you know, just rim running every game. And then you look up, that's 14 points a game Mm -hmm. without him having to create a shot. Without him having to do anything, you know, in terms of handle or, you know, on the block or anything. So it's, there's a lot there, I think, for him to be able to do. Uh, He can can do enough offensively without really working on that part of his game as much as the defensive end. I, I hope he really works on the defensive end. And yeah, I agree with you on Stewart. Like, Stewart is a part of this core. I know Pistons fans, like often forget about him and and like, you know, think that you talk about him too much, but he is a part of this core. He was a piece of the first Troy Weaver draft and he's the one that worked like for that reason alone, he's going to be a part of it, let alone his play. Like he deserves real 
credit for what he's done. He gets better every year, like you said. You know, and people the forget year. too. Sorry to interrupt you. He's still only twenty one. Like he's, no, he's a young, very young. one. Yeah, yeah. He's he just turned twenty two. But yeah, yeah or he just like, turned twenty two. Sorry. Yes. He is he is somebody that is willing to change his game to be able to make it work uh, for him. Like you look at him, he shot fifty five percent from the field. Uh, is a rookie and then shot 44 this year, that might look quite bad. But the reason for that is that his shot diet has changed entirely. He hasn't gotten worse at finishing at the rim. Although I'm sure statistically it says that the reason that he's gotten worse at finishing at the rim is that he's not getting spoon spoon fed everything right at the rim. Like he's now, like you said, attacking a closeout occasionally. He has to create his own shot at the rim occasionally. And then on top of it, he's shooting from three now. The big thing for him is the processing on offense. Like he yep. needs to be able to make passing. It's not just like attack a closeout to finish. It's attack a closeout, make a quick reversal. It's yep. just the the quick decision-making for him that needs to speed up. And I think it'll come. Like he's, he's a worker. He's a battler. Like that's the dude that you want on a team. Like you want him on the you team. You bet on those guys, yeah because he's a hard worker and you want him on the team because he's the dude that will stand up for Cade, for Jaden, for Asar, for Jalen Duran if he needs it. Although physically he certainly doesn't like <laughs> yeah. he's the one that will be tough and physical and will bring everything that you want from that kind of perspective. I think like he's, he's a perfect guy to give the contract they gave him in my yes. opinion. And and to take it a step further, and I know it's probably hard for fans to envision it because it hasn't happened. That's the type of big two you want in the postseason. A guy who I could, think so too. If you, the passing who, and decision yes. making comes, yes. Right. But especially defensively, who can guard we'll go one through four, five, depending on who the five is, right? But like there's a reason that Boston has tried to get him, that New Orleans has tried to get him. You don't hear about Charlotte trying to get him. You don't hear about, uh, mm-hmm. the, 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 all due respect, the bottom feet. These are playoff teams who have tried to get him because they see the value. It goes beyond aesthetically how it looks. Like You have to get past the aesthetics of Isaiah Stewart. Like It's not always going to look pretty how you've learned new age basketball players to look, but you see the development. And you see, even if it's just something minuscule, as in like, again, closing, attacking the closeout and making the right, like a cross court pass once every three games or just figuring mm-hmm. those things out, man, because that's just not stuff he was doing early on. And um, he's had to adapt his game. Like you said, he's not a lob threat. He's not. Um, no, he, he, he's not a lob threat. And he's not. And he and he's fine with that. And he knows that, but he's also a guy that's going to put in the work and do, like you said, do what he needs to. So I'm glad that you're banging the drum too, because I know Pistons fans are tired of me saying it. So I'm glad somebody from outside of the circuit, uh, the, the 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 Detroit circuit, is 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 agreeing with me. So I don't sound like a crazy person every time I I talk about it. No, like I I think he's like a legit top six player on a good team at some point. Like, I I truly believe that. Like, it might be as a third big that plays 27 minutes a night or whatever, but it also might be as a starter. Like, that that's a real potential outcome for him, in my opinion. Um, Okay, let's talk about the two backcourt guys. You just wrote about Asar Thompson for today, Mm -hmm. actually. Yeah. And I thought it was really fun. You, you know, talked to Luke Cooper and you talked to people around him and just how Asar is a total gym rat. Yeah. And he truly loves basketball. 
we've talked about that a lot on this podcast like and i've literally talked to them on this podcast before like the thompsons their love of basketball just can't go overstated enough like they truly truly adore it Mm -hmm. um tell me some of the stuff that you learned um just about this in general yeah so i mean the big thing for me and just getting to know him the last month and being around him from i met him at the draft uh practices prior to summer league summer league first of all smart kid man like they're uh, both whip smart yeah both really really smart you can tell that they were raised well you can almost t- tell like at some point that they were homeschooled, like there is a shyness to them, but there's also like some bravado to them. Like it's, it's almost very endearing. Like it's, it, there's some, some nice shit talk that they do, but it's also like, I don't know, man, it's hard to describe. Like they're just a very, they're, they're just different. Like they're different kids and it's in like the best yeah. way possible. Um, but you, you kind of, you see those clips of him and a, him and a man being able to like name guys like, long juju and just like the most random players and i'm like oh these guys are like really like basketball heads so like to learn and talking totally. to Luke cooper and other people like of course asar like his gym's closed and instead of finding another gym he goes to a playground or it's the best yeah right or like <laughs> of course he didn't feel comfortable about some subtle move that him and luke did that luke wasn't even focusing on but he didn't feel comfortable doing it didn't say anything and calls him at 1 a.m to say he mastered it in his bedroom or um, the fact that like he's so adamant to be good and knows that shooting isn't a strong point that when he misses two in a row, he gets down on himself. And one thing Luke talked about, who was for, for those who don't know, Luke Cooper, he was the OTE head trainer, skills trainer while, uh, Asar and Amen were there, um, trying to change his mindset to be, if you miss two shots, good shooters think the third one's going in. So like just adopting those mindsets, but it's very clear that he's hard on himself. It's very clear that he's a student of the game and it's very clear that, and I, and I learned this most at summer league and that's what made me want to like learn how hard this kid learn it really true. Cause you could that, Oh my gosh, this kid works hard. Like that story is like, you could almost maybe write it about everybody, but like you believe it if you watch these kids play and if you've talked to these kids and to see him at summer league, having the instincts to just go up at the, the highest point and get rebounds. Right. Or, and, and I think me and you have talked about this. I don't think the average fan as trivia, as trivial as it sounds, a lot of players in the NBA don't know how to cut and they don't. Oh cut. yeah. Yep. 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 Like, yep. It is a, it's, it, it's it, my, it's my thing that drives me nuts about Brandon Miller, for instance, like yeah, Brandon right. Miller is not a cutter. Like yeah. he's good at a lot of different things, but he's not a cutter. No, a SAR and a men to an extent, but more a SAR like really knows how to cut from having yeah. played years upon years upon years off the ball. Yeah, and, and and so like natural winning plays like that, and as I've covered the league more, um, and I've been around it, and I've just really absorbed it, absorbed it in this type of way, which just talking to coaches and picking their brain. And then playing pickup and you like as a kid or growing up playing AAU in high school, you always kind of like were annoyed by the kid that like could only do something with the ball in his hands. And then as you get into this, like you really appreciate the guys who impact the game without needing the ball. And you also learn how like how rare that is. Like not like we just said, not many guys yep. in this league cut in a SAR Asar's ability to just impact the game in so many ways just like is very telling of not only how he was taught the game, how he interprets the game, 
but at his essence, he just wants to win. Like no, it's it's Iguodala like. Like to me, that's the that's the point of comparison for Asar. It yeah. is Andre Iguodala like. Like he did is. You, did you hear when Troy said that? Did you see his quote? Did it like no? Suppl- it didn't stamp because you. I think you put it in one of your either mocks or big boards. I'm sure then, I put it in the draft guide. Yeah, it you had it in one of those things. talking about for a long time, yeah. And then I asked Troy uh, offensively being a multi – having uh, multi-positional ball handlers and what does he see as sorry? He's like, I see early Andre Godala. I almost sent it to you. I didn't know if you saw it. Yeah, he said the same thing. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, that's who I've always seen with him. Like it, it's it, it's that kind of skill set, and you know that's why I had him. You know, as a top you know eight or nine guy, like I had him clearly in that tier of players. And honestly, like I, I after we did the podcast earlier this week with Adam talking about like these bigger guards that kind of uh, may or may not always translate. I kind of wish I'd had him. I think it's seven as opposed to where I had him, which I think was eight. Uh, I think I wish I would have had him over Anthony Black, to be honest. But um, yeah, you, yeah, you had Black ahead of him, right? I did. I One definitely spot ahead of him. Ahead of yeah, him. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, I mean, I, I Black kinda, looked. Anthony looked good in a couple summer looked league okay. games. That Pistons it, game it, is the one in my head. The Pistons one was amazing. The last yeah. two were like okay. Okay. Um, the yeah, the SR experiment is going to be really interesting, and I have no idea what he's how he's going to play this year. Like if Same. if he spent like a couple of games like in the G League, that would not surprise me. Just because they might want to get him real on ball reps yes. at times, and like they just don't exist on this roster, mm-hmm. like right now for him. Yep, and like, I and I want them to be utilized that way too. Like I think we should see secondary ball handlers saw our lineups. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And like I just you know you have Jaden, you have Cade, you have Monte Morris. Like Monte Morris is going to play on this team. Yeah, yeah. Monte Morris is a top thirty point guard in the NBA. He's going yep. to play. Uh, like Marcus Sasser is 23 years old, I think by mm-hmm. this season, like he's good and he's going to play basketball for the Detroit Pistons probably at some point this year, maybe not a ton, but like he should play a pretty real amount for them. He's yep. really good and ready defensively and he can shoot the shit out of the basketball. Yep. So like, I don't know. The, the more I think about the Pistons, the more I'm like kind of talking myself into like their win total over under. Um, and we'll talk about that at the end, maybe. Uh-oh. But the last guy I want to talk about here is Jaden Ivey. Mm-hmm. And he feels like the forgotten guy on some level because like the new guy will always get talked about most with a star. Right. right? right. And then Cade and Jalen go and they play at, uh, you know, Team USA camp and play really well together, particularly. Mm-hmm. Jaden has like kind of a forgettable summer league. Like I know Pistons fans will say, Oh, he played better in the second game, but I I thought he turned the ball over like crazy. And Mm -hmm. you know, it it was, it was not as exciting as what I'd hoped it would be. Mm -hmm. Um, And Stewart signs the extension, obviously. So like people were talking about that and everything, but like, I think Jaden had a great rookie year last year that went like way under the radar, especially in the second half. He started very poorly. He did. By the second half, offensively, he was really quite good. The defense like needs a lot of work, and we'll right. figure that out. And hopefully, Monte Monty can bring like a real uh, infrastructure there that works mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. But offensively, by the second half of the season, he was actually quite good for yes. a twenty-year-old first time. Like th- this was really his first year playing like a full-time point like role. Yep. And, and he, we, I think it should be said too. Like we always say, these these rebuilding teams throw young guys into the fire. Like Jaden didn't have Cade and Boyan. Like he was the ball handler 
the primary ball handler for about 40 games um, yep. at this end of the year. And like, and that's when he got better, right? Like yep. when he got more responsibilities, he got better. Um, I didn't know what to expect from Jaden coming in. Uh, we had both kind of talked about what we heard in terms of like uh, the pre-draft process and how other teams saw him and just kind of the struggles at Purdue. But then you see him and you get around him. And again, this is another cliche. The kid works his ass off. Yeah, He loves his teammates. Um, obviously he can get emotional and it shows at times, but it's always, it's, it's always in like good, He's not like upset because he didn't get the ball, or he's not upset because like it's it's no. it's it's rooted in winning and losing. I, I think some scouts took that the wrong way. Um, Agreed. Yeah, it, with him, it was always born out of competitiveness. Hundred uh, percent. He's really, really competitive, yes. uh, and that's why I had him like in the same tier as like Paulo and Chet and Jabari. I like thought that he was really good, and that it was all a. Uh, the, the the emotionality you would see was born out of him just really wanting to fucking win. Yep, a hundred percent. And man, I, I I I've said this to him. I've said this to people I've talked to. And maybe it, maybe it's prisoner of the moment. I, I've been covering the NBA for six years. Watched it my whole life as a nut. I just can't really recall a rookie who improved in his weaknesses within the same season, the way Jaden did yeah. to start the yep. year to start the year. Didn't know how to change speeds by the end of the year, yep. had three or four gears to start yep. the year. Couldn't hit a mid range jumper to save his life by the end of the year was like high forties in the mid range. Um, yep. Struggled to shoot the three ball shot 37% from three without Cade, without Boyan, without extra eyes from February to the end of April. Um, I agree defensively there needs to be work. I saw, I thought he got a little bit better in terms of just like trying to get her at least around ball screens. I think the biggest step he has to make defensively is like off ball. He falls yeah. asleep a lot, but I talking to him this summer, I did a Q and a and like all he kept talking about was defense. Like he didn't even want to talk about offense. So like, I know that was that, an emphasis for him. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. And I just, again, it could be prisoner of the moment, but like for a guy to get better at areas that were like significant weaknesses, in dis- in November and December, and those were like became strengths in February and March. It's like a tip of the cap, and then you see how hard he works, and he's always the last one yeah. on the floor. It just makes so much sense. So, yeah, he t- he really um, he was very impressive to me um, his rookie year. Well, and you know, I did a podcast with Jason Timp in February or March. I mm-hmm. can't remember. And the whole conceit of the podcast was basically, Jason, I want you to come on and we're going to talk about five guys. I'm going to pick two and you pick three that we think are future Mm -hmm. all-stars. You know, some of them will be a little bit more off the radar. Some of them will be like, you know, you might pick uh, someone that is just like on the cusp, right? Yeah, I remember this one. Like his guy was Jaden. Like Jason's really fucking smart. Uh, (laughs) It was just like, this guy, like the way that he moves is different in terms of the changing speeds, in terms of the explosiveness, the athleticism, everything. Uh, Jason, uh, I'm working on for listeners of the show. I'm working on getting Jason on again before the end of the off season. Jason's the best. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites. Uh, but yeah, I've seen nothing that makes me 
think that Jaden is going to be anything other than really good. Like I, I know the turnovers remain an issue. I know that the you know you, you can point to a number of different factors. The defense is the biggest issue. Yep. I think turnovers will improve with a second ball handler out there with Cade. Uh, I think the shooting was okay. Like if you look at his last 46 games, uh, he took five three-pointers a game, made them at 37%, took five free throws a game, made them at 76%. He has touch. Like it, it's going to be fine there. The issue, the big number statistically was the turnovers. Like he was at yeah. 3.6 turnovers per game. That's but to finish a little better around the rim too. Has to finish better around the rim. Again, I think that you can point to spacing there. Like this Pistons team just had no spacing at all whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, but 17 points, four rebounds, six assists over his last 46 games is pretty terrific, I think. Yeah. Like and that's, without, a, that's a really good rookie year. And without three starters from basically – when did Bojan sit out? February. Stu went out in January. Cade was out in November. I think Bojan went out end of March – or end of February. So very impressive, man. Very, very impressive. He exceeded my expectations for sure. So this is going to be my last question. Let's do it. On the Pistons. Their last two. Okay. Who is who is the starting lineup for the Detroit Pistons? On opening my, night, we'll say. Yeah. My gut tells me Cade, Ivy, Bojan, Stu, Duran. I think that's probably the most likely outcome. I do wonder if we're like underestimating how good Monte Morris is. Yep. Uh, that's fair. But Monte has been a backup before. I think he'd probably be okay with being like a 28-minute-per-game backup. Um, especially think, being at home. Do you like, think there's a world? Sorry to interrupt you. Do you think there's a world yeah, where yeah, they where they start Monty, Jaden, and Cade because Cade could guard threes? One move Boyan down to the four, and or then, have have Boyan be the sixth man and just. I mean, if the they were unit? if they were to trade Boyan, maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't think they won't start Boyan. I agree. I agree. Though. I'm with you on that. Yeah. yeah. I'm just floating that out there. Yeah. Can I give you a, a sneaky starting lineup? Yeah, yeah, do it. Say Stu doesn't shoot well in in camp and off season and preseason. Cade, Ivy, Boyan, Livers, Duran. Yeah, that's the we didn't talk about Isaiah Livers at all. I know that they quite like him. Yes. Um is like a good rotation guy long term, and he can really shoot. Like yep. I think they would probably start Monty over Livers, would be Fair. my bet. But I think the live, there's like a real spot for livers in that lineup. The other one is Burks. Like you might go Jaden, Burks, Cade, Boyan, and um, in Jalen Duran. Yep. yep. They have a number of different potential outcomes. I really think it's going to be like a camp battle. I don't think it's going to be like a, we're coming in with an idea. We're doing this. We're doing that. I think it's going to be a camp battle and we're going to find out. Um Here's I my wish last we could question. Watch camp, man. Gosh, <laughs> we don't get there. We got to find out. Um, here's my last question. How many games did the Pistons win this year? I hate you. I know. All right. So this is my logic. All right, you ready? As somebody yep. who had to watch every game up close, personal. Seventeen wins. There were four or five without Cade. Boyan and Stu that they probably should have won where they're up like double digits with like three minutes left. Yep. 
So they get you, the, the Clippers one's like the most insane one when they're up 14 with four minutes left and end up losing. Out. Like there's like four or five games without those three, I believe, that they should have won. So that gets you to 21-22. I think Cade – I mean, I don't want to – I think they get uh, – can I give you a minimum? I think minimum 30. I think they get to 30 to 33. My my number was going to be 32. I think they win 32. We're, we're in the same um, – I think Cade is probably worth seven wins, something like that. Mm-hmm. I think having Monte Morris is worth a few wins, like actually, just in terms of having real depth. Yep. Uh, I think, pro- and then internal, and like that's pr- having real backcourt like players with Cade and with Monte who can handle the ball and who will stop them from turning it over and will actually like help them quite a bit. Yep. I think that's worth like. 12 wins alone and i Mm -hmm. think that gets you to 29 and then i think they maybe get a couple yeah yeah i agree i I think that's probably about where it settles the biggest thing for me is defense Mm -hmm. if they show any tangible growth on defense i think they might win like 35 or 36 i think like i just think that they're probably more likely than not probably going to be a bottom you know six defensive team in the mm-hmm. league uh unless monty like really figures it out with duran like in yeah. the off season that that it, look duran's so young that i think it's probably pretty unlikely that he's going to come in and just be like an awesome defender from the jump but yeah. if he does then i mean the, the all, all bets are off i think if cade stays healthy like yeah. all, there's there's like real play-in potential i think but my guess is that it's probably more like 32. They finish like 25th in defense and maybe like, you know, 16th in offense, something mm-hmm. like that. And it's a real improvement year. Everyone's excited and everyone's pretty happy in Detroit. Agreed. I should throw the throw the caution out there to, to the Pistons fans. If, if they if they make a 15 win turnaround and don't make the play in, that's still a very good season. 15 win turnaround is not easy to do. It's no. it's it's not. It's very hard to do. So no. I think I agree with you. I think if they get to thirty-two or more, I think there's a great taste in everybody's mouth um about about this thing. And obviously it depends on how it looks. Like if they get to thirty-two wins, thirty-three wins, because Bullion's averaging thirty a game and but Cage struggling, like that's a, that's a different story, but the odds of that happening are low, right? So Yeah, and someone asked in the comments, do they make the play in? My guess is no. I think I would go against the play-in at this point, but yeah, uh, I, I don't think it's like out of the question. Like nope. it, it's just hard. Like, so I think the Hornets will be worse than they are. Uh, look, I mean, the magic, I think are right in their boat. Like they yep. could very easily take a leap. Um, I think the wizards will be worse than they are for sure. I think that Indiana is right in their boat, but Indiana has like the year of real, um actual growth they're a year ahead basically so i think it's probably unlikely uh chicago look they could the wheels could fall off in chicago but you know yeah as of right now you know chicago has zach levine and demar Derozan, so that's unlikely and then as of right now toronto has pascal siakam so i think that's pretty unlikely so uh We'll see. Okay. I want to talk about Team USA very briefly. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Team USA? Uh, very briefly. <laughs> um, 
Who are you excited to watch? Let's go with that. Who's the player you're most excited to watch on TVSA? My country cousin. Yeah, my country cousin, Anthony Edwards. I just want to see him be the best player there. Uh, Like, I... I believe in Ant so much, and we were talking about earlier on the pod. Like, I just love the change, and like, I want to cover him so bad, man. Like, I just think he would be <laughs> so much fun to cover, both like on the court and off the court. Um, but just his change in mentality, um, his approach to life, his approach to the game. Like, I want to see him. I fell in love with Ant like the moment he gave Michigan State thirty-five or whatever it was his first ever college game. And it's oh, like the Maui, the oh Maui bump was gosh. real. He busted State's ass, and I would just always loved his game and to just see him evolve as a uh, internally and his game evolve. I want to see him be the best player there. I want him. To, I want everybody to like we go as Ant goes because I think he has it in him, um, and I think he really can. And then obviously a little bit biased, Jaron Jackson. Um, obviously another guy who's gotten a lot of rave out of, out of camp, but I just think triple J has so much, like, I still think like he's only scratched the surface. He just has to stay healthy. Um, like I, I think people talk about the way people talk about Evelyn, Evan Mobley is how I think people should talk about Jaron Jackson. Not to say that they shouldn't talk about Evan Mobley that way too, but I don't think Jaron, I think people realize he's really good, but I like, I don't think people realize i think there's like another like there's above a really good for jaron yeah i think people talk about jaron jackson as if he is like kind of this more finished product maybe Mm -hmm. i think everyone knows that jaron is better than evan right now it's more that like the projection is closer to the ceiling yeah whereas evan just has all of this ceiling left right Mm -hmm. um i agree with you like i'm I was probably going to say Jaron. That was going to be my guy. Like I'm most excited to see what Jaron looks like in international competition. I think that could look really good. Like he might be like a total monster in international competition. Like he might win them this competition. Like just being how good he is. He just has to stay out of foul trouble. Five fouls as opposed to six. I think Mm -hmm. is actually like a fairly big difference for him. And the way the game is called could sometimes be an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, What I will say though is I'm very interested in something Steve Kerr said uh, recently where he said that they're going to play Paulo at the five. And I missed that. That is something that I have been like so intrigued by for Orlando to try. Mm-hmm. And I hope that he plays it really well this year or in this tournament. And then it gives Orlando some real ideas in terms of playing him at the five and some of the ways they could utilize him ineffective sets that way that unlocks their entire team if he can do it uh effectively i kind of changes things that changes things because of the bigger forwards they have like they need to find ways to get all those they're all multi-purpose ball handlers can pass like i'm with you man i think that if it goes well i think that unlocks a lot of things for for orlando yeah, seeing Paulo at the five, I think, is the one for me. Look, they have Wendell Carter. Wendell Carter's on one of the Who best contracts in the NBA. Yeah, yeah like, if you're Orlando, you got to be ecstatic to have him. It's just like, I want to see what it looks like. Yeah. I want to see what Paulo at the five looks like, because that is a fun potential arrangement. Look, Anthony Edwards is probably the right answer here, if I'm being completely honest. But well, I like the Paulo pick, because it's like very, like... From an evaluation perspective, yeah, I, I want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is Austin Reeves. Uh, 
Austin Reeves looked awesome in that game against Puerto Rico. I love Austin Reeves. He looked so good. Like just filling it. Like everyone talks about like the way he affects the Lakers and stuff, but even on team USA, like he's filling every single gap. I think people have like way underrated what his upside is. Like his upside is like what Gordon Hayward's upside was was. just about to say that. Yeah. And Gordon was like a multi-time guy. that got like multiple max contracts uh, and would be like a, you know, 20 to 23, five and five guy with any sort of health realistically mm-hmm. like he just can't stay healthy anymore if austin stays healthy i think that like he's what people thought gordon hayward might be at the end of the day i'm pissed nobody made the lakers sweat i think the spurs should have the spurs were the team to yeah me. i'm with the you. spurs should have given him like three years because what it would have been they could have given him like three years 60 and then yes essentially made it like team option or no player option on the third year and like made it really hard for the Lakers. I think the Lakers would have matched like undeniably right. and it wouldn't have even been a question, but like if I, like if I was the Spurs, I would hundred percent do that. And obviously like, you know, Austin Reeves would have done that because he's getting more money over a one shorter year. Plus you get the extension eligible situation where you're extending off 35 as opposed to like the small number that he can't really extend off of now. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's yeah that that was one that I think people really missed out on in my opinion. I agree. I agree. I, I'm big Austin Reeves fan, man. Um, love what he. I just love those those glue guys, and or, I, don't, I don't know if the glue guys is the right way to describe him, but I guess what I mean by that is the guys that make everything tick. Like the Lakers doesn't make everything easier for their teammates. Yeah, like the Lakers are much worse teams if Austin Reeves did not play last year. I don't. Yes, I don't think like the average fan maybe recognizes that Austin Reeves was the third best player on a team, and you can almost maybe say two and a half best player um, on a team that had LeBron and, and AD. Right, like that. I Here's- love. I love the third guy that knows his role. Like that's like one of my favorite players in basketball. The third guy that's like effective, efficient, and can take over a game, but he can also take a back seat. Play like I love that guy in the NBA. When when done well, right. The crazy thing with Reeves is we now have like a 40 game sample. Like over his last 21 games of the regular season last year, he averaged 18 points, 3 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 turnovers shooting 57% from the field, 44 from three, 86 from the line. And then the playoffs last year in 16 games, he averaged 17, four and five shooting 46, 44, 90. So like, it's basically like 17 and a half, you know, like four and five while shooting 50, 40, you know, 50, 42, whatever it is, right? Yeah, 50, yeah, 42, yeah. 87. Yeah. It's just a crazy, like those are crazy numbers. Insane. It's the highest second level. year guy. Yeah. yeah. And he did it against like playoff teams for the back half of that. Right. So uh, yeah, he's, he's a dude. He, he's a, a real dude that fan. I think people are, people like kind of give him the, uh, like he's one of those dudes where you could say like Lakers fans overrate him and, you know, the general public underrates him. So like, it's yeah. hard to get a gauge for it's people. It's like, cool like story, bro. It's like, no, what like, it is. He's good. Yeah. And look, like it probably helps being like the white guy on the Lakers. Right. right. Like realistically. Right. But 
he's really like he's really good at basketball. Like mm-hmm. he's really really good at basketball. Uh, okay, last thing I want to talk about here. I have no idea. Like this Ryan and Matt Buley thing like came out of nowhere to me. Yeah, explain this to me, man. So Ryan and Matt Buley were along with the Thompson twins, the like among the first people to sign with overtime elite mm-hmm. and reportedly they got, you know, seven figures between the two of them in order to sign with overtime elite. And my understanding is that like that makes you a professional. I, I really wonder how this is going to work eligibility wise more than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Buleys have now committed to Chicago state to play basketball, Chicago state, Sneaky fun roster if the Buleys do get <laughs> eligible. Uh, they have a kid named Wesley Cardet that was really good last year. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, sneaky NBA prospect long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy that I really liked coming out of high school, actually, too. Like, I got yelled at by uh, one of our guys for ranking him really high in, like, our available players thing. Because yeah. he was a late commit and he committed to Samford. Because I think that, like, he had a family member on staff and then ended up having to transfer to Chicago State. Where is he from? I know way uh, where is he from? Where is Wesley Cardet from? Why do I, why am I forgetting this? He is from, uh, he is from Florida. I Florida. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that kid's really good. And if they get eligible, like Chicago state will be pretty good. <laughs> like yeah, will right? be actually like pretty good at basketball this year. Uh, after being just like a total nightmare to where, I thought there was like a 5% chance Mark Titus might get that job whenever he decided to campaign for it a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, Shout out to Mark Titus. And by the way, can't ignore, you can't ignore the fact that Titus moved to Chicago and the, this got done. Can't ignore it. Mm. I'm just saying, you know, you never connect know. Connect the dots. I love that. Connect the dots. Are there, are there <laughs> dots to connect? Who's to say? We'll find so, out. So the Buleys. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like very confused on how they're eligible for college basketball. Maybe like these overtime payments are somehow being qualified as NIL payments somehow. That would like, be the question I have. Like, cause like it's an on, like maybe you could say they're advertising for overtime elite in or for overtime, the brand in some way. And that's how you've like made these payments into their account. Maybe they're paying back the money. I don't. I don't yeah. know. I'm very confused on how they would be eligible. Here's what I'll say about them as players: I don't think they're like five star quality players, like they okay. were previously ranked. Okay, they're like low end, high major, like high end. Um, you know, a ten. Uh, you know, Mountain West, right, right. like leagues like that. Yeah. Um, they, they'd be really, really good in those leagues. Uh, they could stick, I think, at the high major level. Um, so for them to be going to Chicago State, it's a great gift for Chicago State. Like, it's going to be phenomenal. Right. Um, a, I have no idea. Like, I, I want to learn what, uh, this is an honest question. Like, people like hit me. Like, I, I want to know how they're eligible. Like, I'm curious. I've sent out like five or six texts and, the people I've asked are like, I have no idea how they will be eligible. Um, you know, great question. Uh, no change. Like, it, it's all just like people wondering. Nobody knows. Basically. Yeah. Nobody knows. Uh, so if if you know, I, I would love to hear how they're going to be eligible. Yeah, um, I, I and- absolutely don't. Yeah. If any, if you're listening to this and know, 
Please let us know. No, that's know. what I'm saying. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, no I certainly don't know. I would love to hear. I would maybe love to hear if they give the money call. back. And yeah. They, since they I haven't don't. played. And then maybe they but know like, they'll make that same money in NIL. I, I'm, I mean, maybe that that's an interesting one. Like, could they make the same money in NIL that they made previously? And then they get their college eligibility. Okay. Like if they pay it back and then th- that that's an interesting concept. I don't know if, if they OTE, can get I want the money back. back. You didn't play. I don't know me. if I want the money back by OT. If I'm OTE, I just, I don't think I want to give it back if I'm the Buleys. <laughs> Because I don't know if oh, I'm making sure. it back to play basketball yeah, for sure. in that way. For sure. So, yeah, like, I, I, I think OTE, know. like, look, I think OTE got got what they wanted out of the deal. Like, the Buleys and the Thompsons were two really big decisions that solidified them in the space of right. going and getting players. Like, whatever you think of the Buleys, with how well regarded they were at the time, and with what OTE has gone on to do in terms of continuing to get players and making themselves solidified in the space, it was a worthwhile investment for them no matter what. That's fair. That's um, fair. If I'm the Buleys, like, I, I don't want to give that money back. Yeah, you're right. That's I, fair. Yeah, I mean, f- I wouldn't I w- want to, yeah, but... Yeah, I want to go find a different spot. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You're right. Um, but I, I, I think that they should play college. Like, that's their level right now. Like, I think college makes sense for them, and I, like, really want to see it. Um, I, I hope they get eligible. Like, I think that I think it'd be really good for the Buleys to be eligible to play college basketball. And I think it'd be good for college basketball for the Buleys to be eligible. I, I'm just like a little bit questionable on what it looks like, I guess. Yeah. If you end up getting an answer from somebody, send it my way. Cause I want to know. I will. I'm curious. James, tell the people where they can find your work. Tell the people what's going on in your life. I am on Twitter at JL Edwards. I, 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 um you can find me at the athletic on the pistons tab nba tab i have a story now uh or i have a story up now on asar thompson kind of i think i titled it something like the basketball obsessed asar thompson if you wanted to see a bunch of anecdotes about just kind of how hard the kid works just mentally where he's at um just stories about him in the process from leaving ote to get to the pistons uh, so you could check that out uh bun and cardigan show is my podcast uh the bun and cardigan show it's a pistons podcast uh right now we're like not talking much pistons but it's it's fun it's an eccentric listen i think so if you're looking for a new podcast after you are done listening to game theory turn on that one um and that's it i appreciate you having me on as always brother always good to talk to you always good to chat with you and um, before you get on vacation man I, I man, I'm I cannot wait. I'm about to hit the golf course. <laughs> I'm going to Toronto. I can't wait. I uh yeah, my wife and I are going up north at some point to Queensland. We're doing like beaches and all that stuff. So it's gonna be it's gonna be tremendous. Couldn't be more pumped. Uh go Good to morning. the athletic. I have a uh top 60 mock draft for 2024 up that I wrote earlier this week. Uh I wrote about like some of the commitments late last week as well. That's the last stuff I've written. Um, I'm kind of working on some bigger projects right now. Don't know how long um, it'll be until I write next. Could be next week. Could be this week. Who knows, right? Uh, could be news that comes this week. But uh, I will keep you guys in the loop on that. We will be back either today or tomorrow, uh, either tomorrow or the next day, because I want to talk about the Pascal Siakam trade market. At some point here, we're going to do a similar breakdown to what we did with James Harden and Damian Lillard with Siakam because his whole situation is uh, endlessly fascinating to me. But uh, 
that's that's where I'm at. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye. Thank you.